The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday the 18th of August. I'm Michael Bailey and today we're asking... Is Endo Liverpool's midfield solution? He's not an elaborate passer, but he is a very fine technical distributor. Why has Michael Elise opted against joining Chelsea? Suggestions that Chelsea perhaps misinterpreted the nature of what was a very complex release cause. And on a weekend of two finals, will it be glory for both England? Serena Wiegmann, England coach, will be making sure that her team very much keep their feet on the ground. And Lionel Messi. You've got to give Inter Miami the advantage here when you have Lionel Messi on the pitch and he's proven it. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. We start with Liverpool, whose desire to recruit new midfielders this summer has been far from a secret. So far, they've lost Jordan Henderson and Fabinho to Saudi Arabia and failed in bids to sign Moises Casado and Romeo Lavia, which is why they have now turned to Stuttgart defensive midfielder Wataru Endo. The Japanese international has flown to England for medical checks and to seal his Premier League move. Seb Staffer-Bloor writes about Germany's Bundesliga for The Athletic. Seb, it's lovely to hear from you. Assuming this gets done, what sort of player are Liverpool getting? A really fine one, Michael. A very competitive ball winner, very professional character, a much admired footballer. What's interesting is if you speak to people who or players who have played with Endo in the past or you play with him currently, it's an awful lot of admiration for not only who he is as a footballer, but who he is as a character. And without question, had he not been at Stuttgart last season, they would have been relegated. He held together from his sort of first screening midfielder role, held them together, and, and they were a very, very poor team. And, and so... Whilst the move hasn't, has been a little bit underwhelming for people that have got used to Liverpool being connected with Moses Caicedo and Romeo Lavia over the summer, I don't think he deserves some of the negativity that's, that this, um, this news has been met with. He's, um, he would be a real asset to Liverpool. Now, Endo is 30 years old, Seb. Without wishing to sound disrespectful, how come he's had to wait until now for a move like this? Well, I think it's probably connected to Stuttgart's last few years. So he's been there since 2019 and they've had they've had a difficult time. They've suffered a relegation. So he joined when they were still in um, the Zweite Bundesliga and he came in from Belgium. And I don't think just because he hasn't moved quicker that that should be seen as a kind of a judgment against his talent because he probably is one of the finest ball winners in the Bundesliga. Um, and it is worth considering that context about that the standard of teammate around him. It's been pretty chaotic, even just in the last season. So Stuttgart uh, staved off relegation by winning the relegation playoff uh, against Hamburg. But at the same time, they changed managers halfway through the season. There's a lot of flux of the change in styles, change in formation. And the consistent aspect of their season was him, which is, uh, which is quite the accolade. We've all seen Liverpool's midfield departures and failed attempts to sign replacements, Seb. Do you feel Endo is what they need? Yeah, I do. And in a couple of ways, Michael, technically, he's a good fit. He is a very fun ball winner, as we've discussed. He'll provide good screening for that defence. And he can play too. He's not a he's not an elaborate passer, but he is a you know very fine technical distributor. At the same time, Liverpool this, this summer have lost Jordan Henson off to Saudi Arabia James Milner on a free transfer down to Brighton. So what they're contending with, in addition to a kind of a technical shortfall, is also a deficit in leadership. And 
as you said, he's a very admired player. He's a very strong-willed player. He's very combative and professional and competitive. And he's exactly the sort of character you want in that dressing room when you've lost the type of people that Liverpool have. And, and I also feel that if, if you look around that Liverpool squad, there are a lot of younger elements to it. A lot of players whose careers promise an awful lot, but are at quite a fragile and delicate stage. And there is exactly the type of character that Jurgen Klopp would want around some of those players at this stage of his career. So there's an awful lot to like about it. Liverpool lost out on Casado and Lavia to Chelsea. However, yesterday it was the West London club tasting rejection from one of their transfer targets. As we discussed on Wednesday's daily football briefing, Chelsea had hoped to sign exciting young Crystal Palace forward Michael Elise after triggering a release clause in his contract. Yet on Thursday, Crystal Palace confirmed the France under-21 international had signed a new four-year deal to stay at Selhurst Park. Our transfer guru, David Ornstein, has been tracking this story from the beginning and he joins us now. David, Elise was supposed to be joining Chelsea, so what's happened? Well, the Michael Elise saga is just the latest crazy situation in this remarkable summer. In essence, Chelsea wanted to sign Elise from Crystal Palace and decided to activate what was thought to be a £35 million release clause in the contract he signed when joining Palace from Reading in 2021 on a five-year deal. In recent days, Chelsea believed they had activated that clause and expected to complete his signing in due course. However, Crystal Palace did not respond. They went quiet and behind the scenes, they were attempting to tie Elise down to a new contract, knowing that was the only realistic way to prevent a move such as this from happening. But they had been trying to do that for quite some time without success. Until on Thursday, out of the blue, their chairman and co-owner, Steve Parrish, took to social media and announced that Elise had signed a new four-year contract, ending speculation over his future, committing him to Selhurst Park. What really happened behind the scenes, we don't really know. There have been reports of accusations around tapping up, suggestions that Chelsea perhaps misinterpreted the nature of what was a very complex release clause. But the bottom line is that Michael Elise is staying at Crystal Palace until at least 2027, and Chelsea will have to go back to the drawing board and look for alternative targets. Chelsea's mood will not have improved with the news that both Rhys James and Trevor Shalabar are set for weeks on the sidelines after picking up hamstring injuries. As for Crystal Palace, no doubt Elise's commitment will have put a few smiles on supporters' faces. Matt Woosnam is the Athletics' Crystal Palace writer. Matt, I'm sure this feels like much better news than when we spoke earlier in the week. Crystal Palace lost Wilfred Zaha this summer and he was arguably their best player. Did that help make some financial room for the club to offer Elise this new contract? I'm sure that Wilfred Zaha leaving at the end of his contract in the summer to join Galatasaray which freed up uh, around £130,000 a week for Palace, will have made an impact in helping them to afford this for Michael Lise. But it's not the case that without him leaving, they couldn't have done this. I'm sure they would have done it anyway. It just makes it better for them in financial terms. It is a, a significant increase in, in Elise's salary, but it's not something that is going to break the bank for them. He will be one of their highest owners now, but he's shown in the last few years that he is good enough to be in that bracket. Roy Hodgson spoke in his press conference on Thursday saying that had Elise and Zaha gone, then it was something that might have made a, a more difficult decision for him to return as manager when asked. 
Palace will be very happy to have done this deal with Elise. And the fact that he's on more money is is not really a huge issue at all. I think it also shows that they're willing to pay that for the right player at the right time. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. The weekend's football is nearly here and there are two tantalising finals on the way. Sunday morning brings the climax of the World Cup in Sydney when England's women face Spain. Abby Patterson is in Australia for The Athletic and joins us now. Abby, there is a lot of excitement here in England. I can tell you about the prospects for Sunday's final. Take us to Sydney and set the scene for the final. What are we looking out for? Well, Michael, whilst you might be getting excited over there in England, Serena Wiegmann, England coach, will be making sure that her team very much keep their feet on the ground. In fact, this happened right from the end of the semi-final. They had their huddle, as you saw at the end of the match, at which point the, the players, they started jumping and celebrating and she grabbed Lucy Bronze and said, stop jumping, we need to get ready for the next game. That's the mentality of a woman who has made four consecutive major tournament finals. They face Spain in the final on Sunday and the two sides coming into this have had completely different build-ups and indeed tournaments. Spain, 15 players in the build-up to the World Cup decided they weren't going to play for their country because they didn't like the federation and head coach Jorge Vilda, that's putting it mildly. Some of them then did decide that they would play. They also suffered the defeat to Japan 4-0 in the group stage. Contrast that with England, who, yes, had a bonus payment dispute. They put that behind them so they could concentrate on the tournament. And uh, despite a few wobbly moments, uh, have actually been a phenomenally strong side. The questions then are whether Lauren James comes in for Ella Toon. Only Serena will know what to do in that circumstance. For a fuller preview of the final, then do listen to the Athletic Women's Football podcast, where we will be dropping a preview podcast soon. Meanwhile, USA head coach Vlatko Andonovsky has resigned. He oversaw a disappointing tournament for the Americans with their round of 16 exit, the earliest the team has been knocked out of a World Cup. The search for the next coach begins and the English FA has already said that any approach for Serena Wiegmann would be 100% rejected. We stay in the US for the weekend's second final, the League's Cup final, featuring none other than Lionel Messi's Inter Miami going up against Nashville. It's a brand new tournament between MLS and Liga Emeki teams and it concludes Saturday night Eastern time. Ahead of the match, we have finally heard from star signing the great man himself, Lionel Messi, and there for The Athletic was Felipe Cardenas. Reporters from around the world were packed inside a cramped room at Drive Pink Stadium, which is Inter-Miami's temporary home here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I asked Lionel Messi if he's aware of the fact that he is now the next big ambassador for the sport here in the United States. Lionel Messi looked at me and smiled and said, I don't really think about it that way. Uh, I'm just happy to be playing football again. And, and honestly, my takeaway is that, yes, Leo Messi is just a baller. He's a footballer. He's happiest when he's playing. And let me tell you, he's playing very well for Inter Miami. You can see how happy he is in the city. Today, he mentioned several times how happy he is to be in Miami, how happy his family is. Not quite settled yet because his kids haven't started school, but that's coming up. Obviously, Inter Miami will play their first ever final on Saturday, the Leaks Cup final against Nashville SC. 
League's Cup is a brand new tournament between MLS sides and Liga MX sides from Mexico. It is an all MLS final, and whoever wins will win will earn their first ever title. You've got to give Inter Miami the the advantage here when you have Leo Messi on the pitch, and he's proven it. Several goals, seven goals in, in as many games since arriving in the United States. The guy is flying right now. The League's Cup final kicks off at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Apple TV+. There's plenty of football available on your screens tonight as well. Harry Kane is set to make his first start for Bayern Munich. The new Bundesliga season kicks off with their visit to Werder Bremen at 7.30pm UK time on Sky Sports Action or 2.30pm Eastern on ESPN+. Premier League fans in the US can watch Nottingham Forest host Sheffield United from 2.45pm Eastern on USA Network. While in the UK, Sky Sports has the EFL Championship clash between Leeds and West Bromwich Albion. That's live from 8pm. You can also watch that one in the US from 3pm Eastern on ESPN+. In Spain, Real Mallorca face Villarreal, followed by Valencia against Las Palmas. The action starts from 6.30pm on Viaplay in the UK, and that's from 1.30pm Eastern on ESPN+. And if you'd rather watch the football from France, then you've got Mets hosting Marseille at 8pm on TNT Sports in the UK or 3pm Eastern on BN Sports. That's all for today and for this week. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producer was Abby Patterson and your executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you haven't already, please subscribe and we'd love you to leave a review and spread the word. Tim Spears will be with you on our return come Monday morning. Until then, have a great day and enjoy all the weekend action. The Athletic.